smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello everyone i am shupra from mint's personal finance team in today's episode of why not mint money i am interviewing ashish somaya who's the ceo of white oak capital amc as part of our annual special series guru portfolio Mint started the Guru Portfolio series in 2020, right after the COVID-19 pandemic hit the world. The idea was to gauge the impact of the pandemic on the personal investments of leaders in the financial services industry. In the third year of the series, the current year, we look at how their investment portfolios have fared in the past two years, whether anything has changed in their investment strategy, and the lessons that they have for investors. Hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money. a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started on your money journey hello ashish welcome to why not mint money podcast yeah hi hi shipra thanks for having me so let's start with the current uh, you know asset mix in, in your portfolio ashish why don't you tell us between equity debt gold real estate and alternative asset classes what is your current asset mix so shipra actually uh, 50% of my allocation uh, is in equity Uh, and another 50% is in uh, real estate uh, of course i heard you give options about fixed income gold alternates so fixed income is practically zero uh, other than what i may keep with me uh, for say next 6 months worth of expenses so you know all of that you know we may have in some saving bank accounts and liquid funds etc but beyond that fixed income is zero uh, gold also is zero Uh, because uh, my learning tells me that uh, you know gold uh, doesn't actually end up giving you a great absolute return over a period of time but yes definitely what it does for the conservative investor is that when the economy or when capital markets do badly uh, then definitely gold does provide some downside cushion right uh, so you know i don't think i need that in my portfolio i would call myself a reasonably aggressive or risk taking kind of investor so fixed income and gold don't find much place in my portfolio at all as far as alternatives are concerned you know everything that i do is only equity so yes there is largely only listed equity and there may be some amount of uh, unlisted equity through you know some well known managers or funds uh, but everything is predominantly equity and uh, real estate 50 50 all right what portion of equity is in international and whether you plan to increase or decrease it yes yeah, so i actually currently don't have any exposure to international equity uh, you know of course i have been a i have been a votary of uh, investing internationally but in the last year couple of years uh, last year or so uh, you know whatever moves that i have made or you know whatever uh, situations in which i have been investing at this juncture i find uh, zero exposure in international equity doesn't mean that i will never do it in fact uh, i am looking forward uh, you know to uh, certain regulatory approvals and when white oak capital uh, launches india's first actively managed global emerging markets fund uh, i will certainly be looking to add that uh, into my equity portfolio uh, but uh, pending that uh, i actually don't have any international equity exposure at this point in time all right uh, so coming to real estate which makes up half of your portfolio uh, how do you invest in real estate let's start with that and then we'll move on to you know when did you actually start uh, looking at real estate as a as as an investment option so real estate as an investment option you know, a couple of things i can clarify first is that when i say that half my portfolio is real estate 
uh, it doesn't include where i live needless to say because i cannot uh, take that really as an investment that's right but only from the investable portfolio uh, if i were to say now uh, again you know out of that 50% real estate uh, i can say that 75 80 70 80% uh, maybe upwards of at least let me say upwards of 60% uh, in that vicinity uh, is commercial real estate and say another 30 odd percent uh, is uh, residential real estate all of it is physical in nature in the past i have invested in real estate investment trusts but that was you know typically in 2020 uh, when i had some surplus which i needed to park for a year or you know 12 to 18 months and i was not very very you know interest rates were very low at that point in time i was not very positive about uh, putting money in short term debt funds etc so i did invest in real estate investment trusts in the past i did hold it for about 12 to 15 months right. it did much better than uh, you know at that point in time reits did much better than uh, fixed income funds but that's now done and dusted i have actually removed the withdrawn that money because that purpose is you know mid, uh, mid term parking kind of purpose is over so right now whatever i find in my real estate portfolio is only physical real estate uh, and a mix of commercial and residential like i said uh, slightly higher you know maybe 60 65% commercial and the rest is residential right and what is the reason for such a large exposure see i think you know i should caveat this uh, by putting couple of uh, disclaimers out here whatever i'm saying may not be necessarily relevant uh, for uh, all investors you know because all investors may not uh, may not and should not have uh, you know the kind of uh, say maybe some risk appetite or risk taking or risk seeking uh, or return maximizing kind of approach that i may have for myself you know may not be necessarily suitable or relevant uh, for everybody but two or three things i can tell you about uh, what dr- what drove me to start looking at physical real estate and you know basically before 2020 let me also clarify before 2020 i was always 100% in equity okay. and uh, the move to real estate uh, did not happen till end of 2020 it would have been last quarter or maybe august september so last quarter of 2020 a fag end of 2020 uh, till say mid 2021 is when i would have actually you know uh, diversified away from i don't call it diversification really but i felt that real estate presented uh, certain opportunities and i would put them in two or three areas see one is you know if you really ask me uh, it's almost became fashionable uh, to say that real estate is not an investment right and uh, but if you really ask me from 2000 to 2010 or 11 that was not the belief this belief has got cemented only between the decade of 2010 to 2020 when every guru uh, says that real estate is not an investment and today you know millennials and youngsters all think that you forget real estate as an investment you shouldn't even own a house you should actually live on uh, rent mm. uh, but as a investment professional you know i am taught to be uh, slightly you know we are taught that thinking differently being counter cyclical and not getting caught up with what the crowd in general thinks or what the given wisdom or convention at any point in time is we should not get carried away with that so if you ask me between 2010 and 2020 real estate as a sector went through massive massive consolidation you know a lot of disruptive regulatory changes whether it is demonetization tax compliance rera gst you know and then there's liquidity and credit crisis post ilfs the whole nbfc crunch 
so we all know but basic point is that uh, in the last 10 years real estate has consolidated uh, quite significantly and at the same time from a contrarian perspective it almost became fashionable uh, to say that uh, real estate is not an investment now i find it quite foolhardy that there are many people who swear by india's economic prospects right. who swear by india's it ites financial services and multiple other sectors they are perpetually bullish on the stock market but they think that real estate won't do well i am not in that camp i think that if you are bullish about all of these things then real estate is actually a equity derivative uh, or a derivative of economic uh, prospects that is one thing second is i think a lot of people who blindly just say even to youngsters that you should never own a house i think they are doing a big disservice i'll tell you the reason the reason is because real estate is the only asset class where if you put 20 bucks somebody is more than happy to put 80 bucks on your behalf right so it provides you leverage uh, and it's probably the only forced or systematic way of saving investing and forcefully building an asset let me tell you i bought my first house when i was 25 years old okay okay and uh, when i was 25 years old uh, i put some down payment of about 10% uh, and i took a loan and the bank paid 90% okay now whatever i paid uh, to buy that house uh, in about from 2006 to 2010 that house appreciated 2 and a half to 3x in value right uh, so just imagine if i have put 1 rupee the profit i ended up making when i sold that house was almost 8 to 9 rupees on my 1 rupee of investment now i genuinely bought that house i was not doing any speculation but tell me something uh, which asset class uh, can structurally enable you healthy leverage by the way i was owning the house all through it was not actually just speculation i would have uh, owned that house through my life if needed but it's just that at a point in time i sold that house and i bought a bigger house now if somebody tells me that you know you save all your life and at the age of 50 you know stay save all your life invest all your life Uh, live on rent and never buy a house and you know buy a house when you're 50 or 55 or don't at all buy a house you know just keep living on rent the point is you're making this massive assumption that if i don't buy a house uh, i am going to save all the money and be very disciplined about it whereas in reality uh, it's probably the best way of building an asset at an early age so i have been a believer in real estate all through it's just that 2010 to 2020 like everybody else even i could see that the asset class is going nowhere but uh, you know after uh, but now i can say that the view has changed and i think that real estate uh, has great prospects and secondly i don't see real estate as a diversification i see it actually as a return maximization strategy because i have a view on it and lastly like i said that you know uh, it's an asset you know it's an asset class where you can really build a portfolio uh, because it provides you you know you can do leverage in a healthy manner i'm not saying leverage to trade in fnos and stuff right. but uh, purely about building an asset so when you say you know that it gives leverage can you explain our listeners a little bit about what do you mean we've been getting a lot of requests from our readers also uh, you know about your mm-hmm. interview that they don't understand what do you mean when you say that it gives leverage it's the like i said it's the only asset class where if i have 1 rupee i can own assets worth 4 rupees see if you buy if if you today for example if you buy uh, a commercial real estate property which is worth Four rupees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put say one rupee. Say let's say it's worth three rupees. Okay, you put one rupee, 
and you take lease rental discounting of 2 rupees uh, from any uh, commercial bank right so with your 1 rupee you build an asset of 3 rupees now obviously for the other 2 rupees you are paying emi but your emi is going to be covered by the lease rentals that you receive so over a period of time if you let that asset run for say 8 to 10 years over a period of time what is going to happen the lease rentals that you receive they are going to keep on paying your emis and over a period of years uh, your equity keeps growing and the uh, amount which you are you know the loan that you have outstanding that keeps uh, declining the second thing is that over a period of time if you manage uh, in such a way that you get good uh, tenants uh, and if you are able to re- realize uh, better rentals going forward then the value of the property also appreciates uh, and the second is that uh, i don't know right now but hopefully sometime in future it might stand to reason that 2020 2021 uh, was not a bad time uh, to have done this right so that's the that's the that's what i mean i i personally feel that it's a good way to build asset over the next uh, 8 10 12 years uh, and that's what i set about doing all right okay so coming to about take away from the fact uh, hmm. this obviously should not take away from the fact that you know uh, i have been in the equity markets for nearly 23 years uh, and uh, you know bulk of my portfolio all through my life has been in equity but there was a point in time when i spotted another opportunity which i thought that the crowd was not willing to look at that's right so uh, so coming up, you know coming to the last year's market rally did you put profits in the 2021 markets rally No, not really, not really, not really. Uh, I'm absolutely fully invested. Whatever I have in listed equities is with uh, you know the portfolios managed by White Oak Capital that remains uh, as is. Uh, and no, I didn't take any profits really. Right. You know, now that we are on the topic, how much? How, like, what is the portion of your portfolio that is invested in White Oak uh, AMC equity portfolio? So you know, uh, out of the fifty percent which is there in equity, uh, I think listed equity is maybe about sixty seventy percent that entirely is with White Oak Capital. Uh, beyond that, you know, I have some investment in some venture fund, private equity, uh, which is not a very large component. So maybe that would be about say thirty odd percent, and sixty to seventy percent would be the portfolios managed by White Oak. All right, and are you shifting between market segments in your equity allocation? actually no you know so white oak because i have invested in white oak capitals portfolios uh, the portfolio management uh, you know the thing is that we perpetually run uh, flexi cap multi cap uh, kind of portfolios and any addition that i will do incrementally will be when white oak capital launches its mutual funds mm-hmm. and there also i'll keep my focus more flexi cap multi cap all right because i don't think it is ab initio possible you know why i don't make these changes even in my previous job when i used to work for motilal oswal i was always investing in motilal oswal's products the point is that uh, in my entire career i have learned that uh, you know uh, ab initio it's not possible to forecast when large caps will do well and when small caps will do well that's right uh, it's a function of uh, macro parameters going in and out of favor of these market cap segments so ab initio it's not possible to forecast so best that you know you invest in flexi cap multi cap kind of portfolios and by flexi cap multi cap what i mean is that you know portfolios where i prefer if the allocation is kept steady i don't i don't have any faith in any manager's ability uh, to forecast uh, which segment will do well so i am more comfortable if a manager is a multi cap manager and you know just like white oak does 
if we keep say 50% in large cap and 50% in small and mid cap then i think that should serve well uh, across market cycles all right so talking about asset allocation how often do you review your allocation so i actually you know say like i said that i went about making some significant changes through 2020 2021 hmm. that i think is uh, maybe you know i don't expect to do that every year or even every 5 years actually if you ask me Uh, so i don't uh, i don't call my i don't consider myself to be a very very disciplined investor i don't consider myself to be a role model of any sort at all in fact since you have been kind enough to invite me i am just telling you truthfully uh, what exactly uh, i do and i am also acutely uh, acutely conscious that this may not be relevant for investors uh, by and large but uh, anyway on your question uh, you know i have been a 100% equity investor all through and the changes that i made in 2020 2021 are maybe once in a while beyond that i don't actually change my allocation very actively or i mean i don't actually change my allocation at all it's been equity all through all right uh, any one strategy that has worked for your portfolio in the last one year and one strategy that did not work so you know like i mentioned to you at a point in time uh, instead of uh, so this is disconnected from the actual real estate discussion that we had Uh, but uh, at a point in time you know like i mentioned in 2020 uh, end of 2020 instead of putting money in fixed income i decided to park that money in real estate investment trusts and i think real estate investment trusts uh, if you take last one one and a half year have significantly outperformed i mean the listed real estate investment trusts they have significantly outperformed uh, fixed income funds i think that worked out uh, quite well uh, really if you ask me uh second thing which probably didn't work well you know uh, friends you know like say for example kalpen who's the ceo of dsp right. uh, my senior from college and a very good friend of mine uh, he for example once advised me that you must have energy and commodity related funds you know thematic funds in your portfolio i did make a small beginning it was never any significant part of my portfolio i did make a small beginning a very negligible beginning never set about building it up based on his advice but yes you know maybe my overall equity portfolio could have done better if i had uh, you know followed it as followed his suggestion at that point in time so you know here so, i want to i want to point out that uh, so we've also interviewed kalpen for the series and in our interview for the same question kalpen's answer was that you know his exposure to commodity uh, you know uh, is what has worked for him you know worked for his portfolio in the last one year so yes yes <laughs> you know no no so actually uh, unlike what unlike what a lot of people might think uh, most of us from the industry have worked together as peers and colleagues for many many years we do exchange right. ideas we do exchange ideas and yes i must acknowledge that he told me i made a small beginning but it never became any uh, any big part of my listed equity portfolio to really report about it right, right. Uh, and yes i should have definitely definitely followed through more sincerely all right Okay, so uh, what do you prefer between direct investment and investment manager? No, see, two three things. I think one is that uh, there are compliances, there are regulatory requirements, which means that I actually don't invest uh, directly into stocks. Uh, second is, uh, in any case, uh, there is a belief in this uh, concept of skin in the game uh, yes. and alignment of interest with uh, with our investors, which means that. if i believe that what we do for clients uh, you know if it's good for clients then there is no reason why it should not be good for us 
so you know multiple reasons why i don't believe i should be investing directly into equity uh, there are professionals out there uh, we, you know in i mean uh, and i have been working for these professional organizations all through so i have always invested in the organizations and the managers which work for the organizations where i have been working uh, so direct equity is not you know doesn't find space uh, in the uh, portfolio i can tell you one quirk of direct equity investors they deal a lot in anecdotes okay so i find that many direct equity investors have a lot of anecdotes to share that you know they bought xyz stock at a certain price and then it multiplied over so over a time frame etc the problem is that these demat accounts and demat statements uh, they don't report performance uh, aggregated versus the benchmark right so it's good to deal in anecdotes but uh, i think that you know we need to see how many of these people you know nowadays there is debate whether active managers are beating the benchmark enough number of times or not and of course from time to time the jury is out on that i do believe that there is lot of alpha pot- uh, potential in india uh, white oak has a fabulous uh, track record so i would invest with uh, the managers i would entrust my money to the managers uh, you know where i am soliciting investors to actually uh, invest so i would definitely have that alignment of interest but beyond that point i also feel that lot of times direct equity investors are dealing a lot in anecdotes but not actually comparing themselves uh, with reputed managers and the benchmark itself right okay so that's about your you know investment now let's talk about some lighter uh, you know aspects of personal finance uh, what does mm-hmm. wealth mean to you ashish so for me it's uh, very simple uh, you know that it's a means it's a means of doing well for self family relatives uh, and the society uh, maybe in that order and when i say means it's not just means should not include just money means should mean uh, money of course uh, but also time and uh, uh, you know i don't know what is the english word for it yeah i think intent oh. intent like in hindi you say niyat right right you should have money you should have time and you should have intent Uh, i think uh, that is what it means to me to do better for my family my relatives and then society that's wonderful uh, so did you take a holiday in the past year and if no then are you planning to take one in, in the you know recent future no so you know uh, i have not taken really a uh, my sister lives in us so one of my Uh, holiday uh, modes has always been spending few days in us every year and then going out with my sister and my brother in law last yeah. couple of years as well appreciate it's not been possible which means that my vacations have been you know in and around mumbai uh, in driving distance things are looking better now in terms of travel so this year i do plan to take uh, a vacation later part of 2022 uh, but yeah last year no vacation except for some you know weekends driving distance trips All right. Any lifestyle changes during COVID nineteen that have become permanent? Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, White Oak actually, you know, during COVID, you know, uh, by September twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty, we moved to a full fledged flexi working approach. We realized that you know, working from home actually works. There's no issue. Nothing kind of falls down or falls apart. So as a result of that, you know, uh, certain days of the month, uh, you know, for example. in the near future uh, one week i'm probably planning to work from home uh, so you know at whenever 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 the schedule permits you know i do travel like 12 to 15 days a month but whenever the schedule permits working from home 
uh, that's a change which I really welcome, and I know my employees, our employees, are also happy about it. Yeah, uh, it's very very good to uh, bring in diversity in the workplace. You know, have more women in the team. So our goal is to get to fifty fifty, and I think working from home and flexi working is going to ensure we get to fifty fifty diver uh, gender diversity very quickly. So that's a lifestyle change, and that's a workplace change. And you know, as a result of that, also spending time with the family has become more deliberate and more well planned. You know, it's not just left to uh, some incidental occurrences. All right. So the last question of today's podcast: How do you involve your spouse in your family finances? So uh, you know, it's not just involvement. Uh, basically, uh, I actually personally don't own much. Everything is owned by my spouse and by my family trust. and as a result of that uh, she is actually either the sole signatory or the key signatory for everything so there's no question of doing anything without involving her not possible to do anything without involving her and there is a reason for this i genuinely believe that you know when we talk about uh, inclusiveness when we talk about empowering the women in our lives and when we talk about gender parity etc etc lot of times people make lot of futile effort uh, targeting women actually if you want uh, if you want parity and if you want women to be empowered you should be targeting men so for example uh, you know so there is a reason uh, why nothing is done without involving my uh, spouse and the reason is very simple that if something untoward happens to me i don't want of course in my family there will be emotional disturbance in any family there would be emotional upheaval and disturbance Uh, but for example leaving the emotional angles aside uh, talking only about the financials uh, the point is that if something untoward happens to me i don't want her to think about calling the insurance company or calling the uh, chartered accountant or the mutual fund guy and you know filing nominations and you know okay. transfer documents and those things i think that's the last thing you know nowadays i see for instance that people want to invest without any advisor people want to buy insurance without any agent i mean for example you know let us say i want to buy the cheapest possible product i log on to some website and buy it and then you know let's say something happens to me what do i expect my mom or my sister or my spouse or what do i expect my family to do you know they want me to what do i expect them to do that they should be calling some call centers and having some chat on some <laughs> website Uh, you know following up for what following up for claims and money i think that's the last thing i want uh, so it's better that she is fully uh, in the driver's seat uh, on this matter and she should know exactly what to do that's absolutely correct so with that we come to the end of uh, today's episode of why not win money thanks a lot to our listeners to uh, for tuning in and thank you very much ashish for joining us today thank you thanks for having me it's my pleasure That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic or make a suggestion of a personal finance topic that you would like us to cover, I can be reached at Twitter under the username of Shipra Singh Sorath and on LinkedIn at Shipra Singh. Thank you for tuning in. See you in the next episode. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.